0: Welcome to Becoming Referrable, the podcast that shows you how to become the kind of advisor people can't stop talking about. I'm Steve Wershing, and on this episode, we're joined by John Anderson, who's Managing Director and Head of Practice Management Solutions for SEI Advisor Network, and who's the co-author with Julie and me of the new uh, research paper, The Elements of Referrability. We talk a little bit about our research project and some of the findings Some findings that are not all that surprising, like the people who tend to get the most referrals have a referral marketing system that they follow, and some surprising results, including the importance of talking about the description of your target client and their unique needs to your own staff. We cover a lot of the really interesting elements of this research paper and also tell you um, how you can find a copy of one for yourself. So, Without any uh,
1: further introduction,
0: let's get to our conversation with John Anderson.
2: Well, John, welcome. So happy to have you with us today.
1: Thank you, and thanks for having me along today.
2: Oh, it's it's absolutely our pleasure. We've been really looking forward to the conversation today and I mean for a whole variety of reasons. First of all, because we get to pick your brain and and that's a good thing whenever we get that opportunity. But in particular, it's also because we're going to be sharing some information on a project that all three of us have really been working on. So, Steve at the client-driven practice, John yourself and the SEI team and and myself have been partnering on what I, I think is just some interesting new research around referrals. And, I, you know, I thought maybe I could start, if it's okay with you two, and just give a little bit of context on the research, and then maybe we could dig in. Does that make sense?
0: That sounds great.
2: Okay, perfect. perfect. So, you know, all of this began with some some research that quite some time ago Steve and I had decided to do. And, you know, we like big goals, and we thought that it was time to take a more scientific approach to referrals. You know, we've been jointly doing a lot. Um, in fact, if you look at what all three of us have doing, you know, I've been doing investor research on this, uh, advisor research. Steve has been out there coaching on this. John, you've been writing about it and training about it. And and we've got a lot of ideas, but we felt like what might be missing is the ability to go back to some data and say, this is really what's working. Because we hear a lot of tactics tactics. And, you know, we know that some work for some advisors, others for other advisors, but but there didn't feel like there was a framework that advisors could go to and say, I, I I need to really take a hard look at my business. I need to understand where I am. And I need to understand which levers I can pull in order to increase referrals. So, you know, in a way, it's, it's hard to know where to start. And so we got uh, to work on a process to bring a bit of rigor to the discussion and we began with this study of more than 600 advisors and that's really where John and the SEI team came in, raised their hands and said, look, we know this is important. We've been doing work in this area and it felt like this great natural partnership to come together and get this research done. So we went out, we conducted a very in-depth study among advisors, and out of that, created a framework for referrals, or the elements of referability. And so essentially what we did was isolate the advisors who were achieving significant referral success, and then really dug into their businesses to understand what they were doing differently. And today, what we're going to do is dig into some of that research, excited to get John's perspective because of his depth of experience in working directly with advisors. And I do want to jump to that. But just as I'm, I'm saying that, Steve, it might be helpful if you also gave us a little context on sort of the the next phase to this research and, and really where you're trying to get with it.
0: I would love to. And and i, I... I, I just want to reinforce what you said, Julie, and you know that that there's been a lot that all three of us, but a lot of other people, some of whom have been guests on this podcast, um, have have uh, worked on with referrals and have coached people on with referrals, and and you know, it, it, you know what some of what you and I have talked about, and Julie, I know you've heard this before, is that you know there's 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 not that much uh, there's not that much actual rigor around what a lot of people have been recommending and, and you know, there's a lot of, of personal experience, but I'm sure you've heard this before, you know, that the the plural of anecdote is not data.
2: And <laughs> mm-hmm. so it's
0: it's it's nice to it's nice to actually, you know, to have this sort of, you know systematic study that, that, so now we've got some data that we can point to and, and a lot of, you know, it reinforced some of the things that we thought and, and, and actually surprised us with a couple other things that turned up in the data that we hadn't anticipated and things that did not materialize in the data that, that we had anticipated. So, um, but where this is going from here um, comes out of, uh, you know, where, where the, the idea that, that, that spawned this whole thing, which is you know, an advisor can go to a conference and, and sit through two or three or four sessions on marketing and how to attract more clients and how to get more referrals and, and those kinds of things. And they're left with the thought of, you know, well, first, you know, which of these work, but more importantly, which of these should I do? And unfortunately, the you know, the best answer to that is, well, it kind of depends, um, because uh, every advisor has a business that looks different, that's built different, that's at a different stage of development. That you know, so you know what what will work really well for one will not necessarily be the optimal idea for another. And I started thinking, wouldn't it be cool if there was some kind of tool that um, where you could answer a bunch of questions about your business and it would it would it would it would uh, sort of deconstruct your your practice and X ray it. Um, uh, according to all of the elements of it, all of the aspects of it that that um, that lead to referrals, so that so that you could look at it and say, well, if I'm going to invest time or money in generating more referrals or generating more clients, what would give me the biggest payback? Where would be my biggest ROI? And that the assessment would say, well, for you, Mr. Advisor, it would be over here in this area. If you work on strengthening this, this is where you're going to get the biggest leverage. But a different advisor taking the same assessment might would get a different result, saying, oh, well, for you, Ms. Ms. Advisor, you know, you're better off focusing over here. Um, and so that so th- this study, this research, will be the basis of a tool that we that I'm developing um, that. Uh, will that SEI is helping to um to pilot and and will initially be rolled out through them called the referability index and so an advisor will be able to sit down answer 40 or 50 questions um and get that sort of um x-ray of the business that will then give them some ideas on what they can do uh if they're going to focus on bringing in more referrals what area will bring them the biggest payback?
2: Great. So, so hey, John, so I'm interested from your perspective, you see a lot of different ideas, just like Steve said, we're at conferences, we hear these things all the time. What was it about kind of going out doing the research thinking about the tool that that you thought might be helpful for advisors? Why do you think this is, is important for advisors today?
1: Well, I think, you know, when I look at the, the different conferences and we all attend these conferences and we all hear these speakers and, you know, most of them do a great job because it's something that's worked for them. But when I first started hearing about the idea of the referability index and when I first started hearing the idea of, of creating this research, what really drew me to the whole conversation was was trying to find a way to get away from just providing tactics you know, I think about the average advisor who who let's say conducts a great sales meeting or a great quarterly service meeting. You know, they talk about the the plan, they talk about the investments, they talk about the wife and kids, they talk about the grandkids, they talk about all these great things. And this meeting is going really really great until the very end. And the very end, the, the advisor kind of, you know, starts looking down at, at his or her shoes and kind of says, "Well, uh, you know, if there's anybody that you know of that I could work with," and, and and the client then starts looking down at his or her shoes and says, "Well, I can't think of anybody right now. It doesn't really uh, come to mind." And you know, you take these great meetings and you kill them because the 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 strategy is not really around asking for referrals. It's more of a tactic. Hey, I know I'm supposed to ask, so I better put this on the agenda or I better i better ask them at the end of the meeting. Or I put something at the end of my uh, my email saying, you know, referrals are always welcome. I look at all these little one-off tactics and yet most of the advisors will tell you that they don't work. They don't work because it's not necessarily part of an overall strategy. They don't work because it's not necessarily something that they're comfortable with doing. Um, what I was really intrigued about the whole idea about the research and around the... Around the uh, the tool was a way, how do we help advisors find a way to get business, business that they know that they deserve, the quality types of referrals that they want, but how do we get it in a way that's going to build a strategy around it? And how do we do it in a way that's going to work for them, not just everybody, make it more of a unique interaction? That's why I was really excited about this whole idea about really creating this uh, research and then, then a benchmarking tool around it
2: yeah it's I mean it's great points, and I think just you mentioned strategy one one of the things that really jumped out at me. there was a couple of things um well, in fairness, there was a lot, but just as you mentioned that, you know just the the notion of having a clearly defined strategy seemed to be one of those things that was common to advisors who had succeeded, and you say that out loud, it sounds a bit obvious. But the reality is that most of us, of course, don't have a a defined strategy. Uh, But the other thing is, just to hold out some hope, I think, is that 92% or so of advisors really felt that they were missing out on referral opportunity. So, you know, I don't think most advisors are saying there's there's... You know, there's relationships and money that's being left on the table, and and if I could just get this strategy in place, we'd be, we'd be in good shape. But it is confusing. So I don't know, John. Where do you think advisors just start this process? How do they, how do they make it easy and just dip their toe in the water and get started?
0: Well, and and John, b- before you answer that, Julie, can I jump in with something? Of you can. Um,
2: you can. Podcast too, Steve. Can,
0: <laughs> oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah any, sorry.
2: Anytime you want.
0: <laughs> um the, you know to to really build on that, you know I, I think that advisors sometimes may not realize or lose sight of the idea that their clients want to help them. You know, that they, yeah. the, the the primary reason for making a referral is to help the friend that they spot who's got a challenge or to, to help show their friend, you know, a, a really good experience. But at the same time, clients are more than willing to help out the advisor to do that if we can just help them be more effective at it. And so, what you know, what we had suspected, what we knew from our, you know, qualitatively from our own work, um, and John, I'm sure you've heard this from a lot of people too, but um but now we've also verified in the data is that, you know, the, the most powerful things are things that just help the client uh, pursue that, uh, that natural inclination that they have.
1: Yeah, I agree. Make it easier easier them.
2: Yeah. yeah. So, Showing
1: them how to do it better.
2: Yeah. yeah so with all that said, then, where, where do you think we should start or where can an advisor start?
1: Well, to me, it, I mean, it really starts more than anything else. It starts by looking in the mirror. Um, you know, mm-hmm. I think that we have to think about really what kind of business that we want to look like, how do we want to uh, envision, uh, what that client sees. And I think we have our own little biases with what we think we see, uh, what we deliver versus what we actually do. In fact, uh, I like to tell a story, uh, when I talk about referrals, um, Something I've been I've been talking about for, for a number of years and it's it really starts with you know we all travel I mean I I'm, I'm at 30 40 conferences a year you guys are, are, are out as, as probably as much if not more than I am and you know if you think about what what our lives look like now for me it's it's usually flying in the night before a conference usually catching up with some of the uh, clients that we work with maybe some of the uh, SEI regional directors and, and and people like that and it's of course it's dinner and some uh, glass of wine or two, and then, you know, without fail, I always try to make it a, 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 a mission of mine to make sure that, you know, usually around 5, 5.30 in the morning, I'm up uh, flipping on the light switch in the hotel, and, and, and I'm looking at that absolutely horrible, what I call the ugly look. It's that uh, every hotel seems to have six 100-watt light bulbs instead of one 100 watt uh, 60 watt uh and it's just that cold harsh look that hair all over the place sleep lines uh, uh eyes all bloodshot and it's i'm going to go out for a run but but the point is is that that is that cold harsh look that we need to kind of take a look at our own business you know we need to say you know am i referable you know if i look at the the business that i have today is it something that i would be proud referring if i was a client you know i i i, I often tell a story about a, a firm that i uh I worked with uh, early on in my career here at SEI, and they were in the Midwest. Um, and as I talked to this uh, gentleman on the phone, as I was coming to go see him, I, I was asking him a little bit about his business. And he kept telling me what a great financial planner he was. There's nobody in the county that does as, as, uh, as good a job financial planning as I do. There's no one in the area that, that can really put all the pieces together uh, as well as I do. And I sounded very impressive. And then I said, you know, one of his challenges, of course, was he wasn't getting the referrals. He wasn't getting as much new business uh, as he was looking for. So as I pulled up to the to, to the office. Um, in this little small town in the Midwest, I, I, I looked at a sign. Let's let's just make up a name. Let's say his name is Mike Smith. And I, I pull up to his office and big, huge sign on the door said Mike Smith Investments. And I walked in the door and I look in the office and I see sales awards from annuity companies and from, from um from mutual fund families and i see the investment rags that are all on the on the counter and i see him walk out and it's all you know he's he's way overdressed with gold chains and and a flashy uh everything and i I looked at him i said well you know if you're telling me you're a financial planner if you're telling me you're a great financial planner how come when i walk into the office you're screaming i'm going to get sold some investment products So one of the things I think that we have to think about is whether we we talk to our OSJ, whether we talk to key stakeholders in our business, whether we talk to people like uh, the three of us or or somebody uh, uh, that can help you look at your business and say, number one, just visually, am I referable? Am I doing the things that I say that I am? Or am I setting an image that looks maybe something completely different?
2: Yeah. So and you do need to rely on somebody else sometimes, right? I mean, it's. It's it's hard to take that look at ourselves, and not because we're even in denial, but it's sometimes hard to see, right? It's our baby we've built it, so so we, we could use that fresh set of eyes.
0: Yeah, I love and the not just work. a fresh set of eyes, but but you know, but but somebody who's who's seen one. You know, one of the things that professional marketers do that 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 most of us tend not to do is is uh, competitor research, and so I think that's one of the reasons why so many advisors claim something to be unique when it's actually the same thing that most advisors talk about because they don't even look at the other advisors. Mm-hmm. And so yeah. not only somebody who's an objective look from the outside but somebody who also has talked with a lot of other advisors before so that it gives them a little bit of perspective because you know your clients will tell you you know you, you need to be getting your clients feedback um, and you also need to recognize that your clients' feedback is going to be skewed and and, and when you ask your clients, What's unique about me? They're going to say a lot of the same things as other advisors say. So, you, you know, you need to have both the outside feedback as well as somebody who has that perspective.
2: Right. So, you know, we talked about this framework. And I think this is a, a powerful outcome in the white paper. And the white paper will will be available in the show notes. Um And and I'd love to talk a bit about these components of of the framework and maybe, John, get some of your insight on it. Now, the the first part of the framework is, and anyone who's been listening to this podcast will be quite familiar with this theme because it's not the first time we've touched on it, but the notion that advisors really need to... um, embrace and understand their target market. What are you seeing there? Do you have any good examples of, of advisors who, who are just doing this really well?
1: Uh, absolutely. You know, I think that to me is is really the, the beginning stages is, you know, I, I think about all the robo-advisors. I think about the virtual advisors out there. And, and when I look at the competition, typically they, they create more generalist advice for generalist type of, of, uh, of clients. The more focused you can be on a target client and looking at their unique needs, that's where we really begin to separate ourselves out. And when I look at advisors that are doing that, I find that they great, gr- create great relationships with their client, they're creating great service for their client. Um, there's a couple of different ideas and, and things that I've seen people do. I'll give you a, a, one of my favorite examples. Um, I have a, a guy that I worked with in, um, in Kentucky. Um, He said that his ideal type of client, he identified his ideal type of client is what he called everyday Joe business owners. Now, everyday Joe Joe business owners are the type of clients that still are – they own their business, but they're still getting their hands dirty every day. They're getting their hands dirty by working in the trade. They have uh, some some decent income coming in, but they still have the challenges of running a small business. When I look at this gentleman who was focused on his Everyday Joe uh, business owner clients, he made sure that he created services that were in line with what a business owner would need. He made his marketing in line with what a business owner, Everyday Joe business owner would look like. For example, he doesn't hold his his annual client appreciation. He doesn't hold his, um, his, his... client meetings at a country club or a wine tasting. He holds a barbecue at an industrial park. I love the idea of of people who can find that ideal client and then create a whole persona around who they are, the services they need, and the type of business that they want to uh, work with. And those are the types of people that I I first find that are really, really uh, growing and gaining more referrals today.
2: Yeah. You know, you remind me of a concept um, that I've been sort of noodling lately. I, 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 the, I know this will sound a bit strange, but I took an acting class a while ago because I thought it was to help with sort of performance and things. Anyway, that's not the point of the story. <laughs> um, but the, the concept that they talked about in, in acting is the through line. And for an actor, it's sort of the motivation, but it, it struck me as so relevant in our industry, the through line being sort of, here's the objective for my business, here are the needs of my clients, and how is that then articulated in everything that I do, right? You can see a clear line from start to finish. And mm-hmm. that's, and it. so it's not just about having that target, right? It's about how it's expressed in in the communications, don't you think?
1: Absolutely. I mean, I, I love to, to, to look at these personas and say, you know, uh, I name them. Uh, I, did a, I did a post a couple of uh, years ago where we actually even brought out this little persona doll, uh, and we called him Gary. And it was, it was pretty funny. Uh, <laughs> and his name was Gary. But the whole thing that we talked about is, is that we, we take this persona, and we put it on the wall, and say, what would Gary like to read if we deliver? What would Gary – what are the services that Gary would like that we that – we, what would he value in what we deliver what would he sound like what would he talk like what would he uh, enjoy doing so the more we get to know who that client is and by giving him a name it makes it even more real the more we 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 give that person a name and more we communicate with that guy we begin to use the same words and there's lots of different examples about how you can use their words with them and make it sound more natural the client then comes back and says well you know me why would I bother working with anybody else? You're the one that knows me, and by the way, I know a lot of people like me. So therefore, let's let's start let's introduce you to them as well.
0: You know, John, I think that's such a critical idea about um, about using the client's words. That um, you know, one of the, one of the great things about getting client feedback is not only do you do you find out what's what they really value and what they really find most important about what you do, and you may have that right, and you may not, but more just as important as finding out what's most important to them is the way that they describe it, and the way that they, they describe the, the the language that they use and the words that they use to describe what you do, and it's knowing the client's jargon. You know, if if you've got. Uh, you know, a large local employer, and you have a lot of employees from that local employer as clients, you know, knowing the actual terminology within the company for different things, for different benefits programs and different, you know, things that they have access to. I, I you know, I just, I can't emphasize, I, I, that's so important that, it, that you bring up the, um, you know, you, using the, the client's words to better communicate with them. Yeah.
2: And that's sort of, it, I mean, it ties in nicely to the next piece of the framework, because I think we often forget it's not just it's so not just about creating these personas, but then talking about them, right? Be, now, this making making this part of your conversations. So whether that's with clients or with team, so that everyone is aware of exactly who is right for your business, because it's you know it's not a case of if if we build it, they will come. Um, what, John, what do you think about how advisors can really get that message out?
1: You know, I I think that the 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 challenge for most advisors today is that we we remember our early days when we were getting started in the business, and we wanted to talk to anybody that could fog a mirror. Uh, anybody was our primary uh, client. Anybody was our best prospect. As we evolve into running a more mature business, we got to start thinking about focusing on a type of client and understanding it exactly. And I think that we got to get away from the fear of, I'm not going to say alienating a, a, a prospect. Because we really want to create a focus. We want to create a specialty. And the more we talk about a specific type of client or clients, and we understand their needs, allows us uh, to to express, hey, here's how we help people. Here's how we help people just like you. And the more that we can repeat how we help people like you, the more that client's going to understand who the type of prospect is that I want to meet.
2: Yeah. And Steve, you could probably talk to this too, just that the... The idea of the team came up a few times in the research which I thought was a really important finding that we don't talk enough about you know the importance of ensuring that the team is is also embracing that per, those personas understands them and that you're regularly communicating with them about this issue as well.
0: Yeah and you know I think that there are there are two ramifications of doing that one is that i 'm surprised that you can walk into a lot of ad- ad- advisory firms these days and if you were to ask the receptionist who the target client is that, she, that he or she would not know and you know if if, if 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 your frontline person doesn't know then they can't be communicating it to anybody else and and so all of your all of your advisory staff all of your operation staff you know everybody in the office really ought to know who it is the more people that know it the more that 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 description will get out there. But you know, one of the things that that I also think it points to is that you know, one of the, one of those findings that from the study was that um you know, we asked, you know, which population, you know, first how frequently do you talk about your target client and their unique needs and then we we asked who do you talk to about it? And of course, all the predictable ones, prospects and clients and COIs all came up. But the one thing that really surprised me was was their staff, you the, know, your your own internal staff. And that that was a nice nice clear step up from the lowest referred firms to the most referred firms. It was just a straight line straight up and and part of that I think is not only having everybody in the office understand who you're shooting for, but um, but but the people who talk to their staffs about these kinds of things are probably also people who just talk generally about who it is, that they talk to
1: everybody about who it is. You know, that that's a great point, Steve. And I think that's something that really needs to be kind of going to talk about a little bit more, is, you know, you say that when when you're talking to your staff about the types of clients and things like that, they can be on the lookout. But I think it's also a part of a bigger issue. When you think about how you engage with your staff, when you engage with your staff, whether you're providing them not only good case studies of the type of client you want to work with, but maybe case studies about the successes that you've had, the successes that you as a firm have had. They feel more better they feel better about the, the firm that they're a part of they they have the ability to identify the types of solutions that you can provide I think the more time you spend talking to your staff about the solutions about the types of clients about the relationship that you've built the more they become engaged and they become a, a bigger part of the firm rather than just um, uh, you know coming in doing their job and then leaving
0: well I and I think that's a really important point you know one of the things that we found in the study as well is that the um, interestingly, the the uh, that firms that provide their staffs more training also attract more referrals. And the interesting part of that was that the uh, training on getting referrals was really not that there weren't that many firms that did that. And even training on on uh, customer service type things was more, but it was just generally providing training because the highest levels of training were in things like. Uh, financial planning topics and investment topics and, and technology and I think it's just you know we ref, we refer in the white paper to people like Greg Lederman and other folks who've written about you know don't put your clients first put your staff first because if you have a staff who is engaged and who feels that like they're they're part of the team and that that, that you're taking care of them are the ones who provide the kind of client experience that ends up attracting a lot more clients, and so this whole focus on staff telling them who your uh, who your target client is and what the needs are, and providing them the additional training, and you know all of those related topics, um, uh, I, th- I think it, it becomes a powerful referral magnet, <clears throat> or the experience that they provide becomes a pretty powerful magnet.
1: Well, think about it. You're one person. You're telling your story. You're identifying who your client is, and you're trying to get your message out to each person. If you have a staff of six, now you've got you and six other people who are telling your story, uh, being engaged and getting out in the community and talking about the types of services that you can deliver and the types of benefits. And, and it's really when you kind of picture yourself in that situation that you're much, ready, much more willing and able to give that referral. So the more you can involve that, that staff member, it makes so much more sense to have them be a part of the firm uh, than anything else.
0: And and even more than that, even even more than being engaged in the uh, in the strategy and being able to articulate who it is that they're shooting for. I mean, if they get genuinely excited about working there, if they're really if they're if they find it a fulfilling place to work and a rewarding place to work, then even if they don't say anything specifically about it, it will come through in the client experience, and that just. That just again, it 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 it's a, it's a, a subliminal kind of kind of magnet that, that that gets people excited about working with you when all the people that you work with are excited about working there. That's great. Well, you know, there's there's a there's a, a lot more in this paper. It was a lot of fun to work with both of you on on putting it together. Um, so, John, the. Um, this the sei will will be uh, this will be available by the time this airs uh, from folks. yes, we're um, uh,
1: the paper is you know basically as we're speaking right now probably about ninety percent done. I think you know the last ten percent is usually the editing, the uh, the fact checking the uh, the graphics and all that sort of stuff. So uh, by the time that this podcast comes out, I'm pretty sure the paper will be complete. Now, you'll be able to put a link to it in the show notes, I'm assuming.
0: We will put it in the show notes so that people can go right to the SEI site, wherever it happens to be there, and and, and, and be able to get it.
1: Yeah, I'm very excited about it. I think, you know, the, the opportunity to really think about it, and I as, I as I think more and more, and we started the conversation with this, and I think it's a better way to end the conversation with it, too. The more we think about it, most people are taught tactics on referrals, and this is really all about building a strategy, most people are given the one or two tasks rather than building out the whole plan, and I think that's really going to be the differentiator for this paper, and hopefully for the for the future of this uh, this program.
0: Yeah, and and as sort of the the reveal, um, you know, here at the end, I, I, I want to mention that um, that this research is building toward the development of a tool that uh, that will enable an advisor to answer a, a bunch of questions that are similar to the ones that we asked in the research, but will give them a report about what they're doing um, that, will, that helps them attract referrals and what they're doing, what they need to do better to more effectively attract referrals. It'll be called the Referability Index. And uh, at least for uh, three months after the initial release, it will be available only to advisors who uh, engage with SCI to do part of their uh, to to do their investment management.
1: Yeah, I'm. I'm I could not be and more so, excited about the about the tool, Steve. I think that the idea of, of of giving yourself a score, a benchmark, and comparing yourself, and how do I how do I uh, compare? How do I get better? at, at being referable is really kind of a tool that I just can't wait to see.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Me too. And, and it's been great to work with all of you folks on, on, uh, on, on this project. And I'm really excited that it's going to be coming out through SEI. And uh, so um, that will not be in the show notes for a while because it won't be available for a while. We have a number of SEI advisors who are participating in the pilot, but we, it should be released in the fall. And as I said, the only place you'll be able to get it, is uh, through sei by doing business with sei so um i think uh, and i and i and i think that that's it's a you know I, I think that working with sei is also a great way of uh making yourself more referable so you can focus on all these things that we found in the research to uh, that you need to be focusing on to bring in to bring in more folks well john thank you so much for joining us uh today and uh I hope we get to work on lots of things in the future and uh, I think it's been a great conversation and uh, thank you for for being a guest on the podcast.
1: Thank you. Thanks to to both you and Julie. I really appreciate the the, the good working relationship we've had for years and I'm really looking forward to continuing on. Okay.
0: Take care, John. Thanks.
2: Thanks. Hi, it's Julie again. It was great to have you with us on Becoming Referrable. If you like what you've been hearing, please do us a favor and rate us on iTunes. It really does help. You can get all the links, show notes, and other tidbits from these episodes at becomingreferrable.com. You can also get our free report, Three Referral Myths That Limit Your Growth, and connect with our blogs and other resources. Thanks so much for joining us.